Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, the show taking you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexis Otos with KMOV. Jeffrey and Pamela Blair have found a motto over the years. How do we fix this? It started when their children were little and they had a hard time finding books that featured stories and characters that represented them. So they decided to open a bookstore that would be filled with shelves with African-American books for children. Now their store, located in University City, carries one of the largest collections in the entire country. And as they've grown and expanded over the years, they've added books of other underrepresented ethnicities. The owner of I See Me Bookstore joined us on the podcast this week, and you can hear Jeffrey's passion throughout this entire interview as we talk about the joys and the struggles of owning an independent bookstore, the feeling of watching a child walk through those doors and see an entire store with books that represent them. And we talk about why it's so important for your children's bookshelf, but also yours to be both a mirror and a window into our world, and especially the St. Louis community. So let's meet Jeffrey. Thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, you guys, you, it's you and your wife that run the bookstore, correct? Yes, that's correct. Myself and uh, my wife, Pamela. What made you guys originally open the store? Yeah, so, you know, this came out of, uh, uh, I guess, inspiration out of desperation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as parents, and we have uh, four children, um, uh, two boys and two girls, and uh, while we were raising them, um, we just found it incredibly difficult trying to find children's books that reflected them mm-hmm. and um, in you know various aspects, whether it's physically as far as their skin and their hair and things like that, or even culturally um, or even historically contributions of people that look like them to, um, you know, the progress of this world and this nation. So we found it incredibly hard, but we knew it was incredibly important. And so we just, especially my wife, took a lot of time you know, looking and trying to find books that, you know, could reinforce, you know, positive aspects about themselves in our children's own mind. And, um, you know, as they got older, you know, they got, did extremely well in school. And a lot of, um, you know, parents or teachers would ask us about that. And uh, we would tell them that, you know, you think the, the, the found, we, we really fed the foundation of their identity mm-hmm. when they were young. So they were self-motivated motivated about learning and they did very well. So long story short, you know, we, we spoke to um, a lot of different people and who had the same frustration. And we decided to open up the, um, the bookstore so that we could be a resource uh, to parents and to teachers and uh, ultimately to children. Um, that so that all children can see themselves in the books that they read because representation does matter. And, you know, all the research really shows that when children identify and can relate to the the main characters and subject matter Mm -hmm. in the books, then they are more excited about reading. They read more, they comprehend more. It's just, just, you know, just total, total benefits towards that. So um, that really, you know, it was a gap that we saw that we, you know, decided to do something about. And that's why we opened up the bookstore. When you first opened, was it challenging filling the shelves? Was it hard for you guys to source the books that you were looking for 
for the vision of the store. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was because, you know, it, um, you know, so we're a full service bookstore. So we have relationships with all the distributors, you know, whatever, random scholastic, you know, um, just all of them. And so um, my, most of my, the job, even still now, with my wife, is going out and finding those diamonds in the roughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, um, there's, you know, for some of the statistics to show that, you know, there are a very small percentage of all the children's books that are published on an annual basis feature children of color. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, it's just a matter of really going out and finding those. And then, not only that, making sure that not just does it have children of color in it or, or African-Americans uh, featured in it, but is the story one that's also one that's going to be positive mm-hmm. just because it has, you know, um, uh, diversity in, in the characters don't necessarily mean it's necessarily a good book. Right. So, you know, just going through and carefully curating the selections to make sure that, you know, they're going to have positive ramifications for the children. So it's tough, but that that's that is that's the job. <laughs> that's what we do. That's the value we bring. How has the store grown since you first opened? Um, and when you look back at that opening and, and the number of books you had on your shelves then compared to now, how has that changed? Oh, it's exponentially changed. So when we first started, like you said, finding and sourcing the books was one thing. Um, in addition to that, my wife also is an author, so she's written a couple oh, books, wow, cool. and she actually wrote a couple of those books when we were raising our children. So we had we could we had something to start with, mm-hmm. and then we just continued to add and add to the inventory. But the other side to that was customers. <laughs> so uh, what we saw found is that while we would speak to parents and teachers and schools about this problem and they would agree it's a problem, representation is a problem, um, people didn't know that we were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they didn't know that, hey, we have a solution to the problem that's going right to help here. the <laughs> So getting the word out to bring customers in the door, that was very, very difficult. And there were days, like you said, reflecting back when there would be like nobody coming into the door and no sales. And we're like, oh, how, do, how do we do this? How do we how do we push this forward? But I guess like any other small business that's starting, you know, that's that's the growing pains of really trying to figure out how do I market? You know, how do I tell the story? How do I build relationships with the community and, and just get the word out there yeah, that that really was uphill battle? Had you had experience in that? What what did you guys do prior to opening the bookstore? Was this a, sort of a brand new venture? It, it was. It, you know, we so myself, I'm um, a computer scientist, also an attorney. My wife was, um, she worked in, in, in business, but you know, more like she worked for large corporations mm-hmm. and not really, um, in a, from a small business perspective where you're wearing all the hats. Um, right. so, um, and, uh, so it was brand new, you know? So first thing we did was educate ourselves. Um, we got a lot of, uh, consulting from our, actually from our, um, from Pam's father, our father-in-law, who's, he's an entrepreneur and he did, he built a lot of businesses and a lot of organizations. So he helped guide us a lot of, a lot of the way. Um, and then, but then locally, we also tied into a lot of, um, you know, uh, organizations that support small business to really help, mm-hmm. um, you understand all the pieces you need to be aware of, you know, uh, marketing and, um, finance and, um, you know, vendor relations and just all those type of aspects, you know, store management, all those things. So we tied to that to really educate ourselves and it was kind of on the job trading. So <laughs> no, we didn't really have that skill set uh, when we first started out, but we just sought it out as we, as we needed it. And, um, and we continue to learn every day. 
when do you realize that you saw sort of the change when it start the store started getting those customers? Was it really after talking to to schools and parents and teachers? Is that when you sort of saw, okay, wait, I think we've got something here? Yeah, I think I think um, you know one uh, what I hear from many entrepreneurs who start a business. You know, the idea starts great. You start to put the work into it, and then you're looking to see some 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 feedback. So it's one of those, and it's tough. It's a real hard thing um, because it's not always it's not it's not there all the time. It's not always and instant. <laughs> yeah, and so so you know, what I was reflecting back, the just at the time when we're like, you know what, I don't think this is going to work, mm-hmm. and we're just like one step away from just closing the door. That's when we get a phone call. That's when we get an email and it would be, you know, it could be like an order or it could be something like just validation of what we're doing is important. Because, again, we didn't get into this for the money. We had, we need the money to stay sustain it because we wanted to make sure it was sustainable and, and profitable. But we got into this because this is a this is a, a, a issue, a large issue that we that we want to really try to help to fix. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, what also kept us going, not just the orders would come in, but also to get the call from a parent or to get the call from a teacher who said, wow, I utilized your books in my classroom or I gave my book to my child and I can see a difference. That that was where we were like, oh, man, we got to keep pushing forward, you know, and, and hopefully the profits would come. But let's just keep pushing forward because we're really you know, helping people here and making an impact on people's lives. And that that's what that's the fuel that kept us going. The feedback that we got from the community and from parents and from the schools that we are really um, making a difference and helping. You just really gave me the chills when you said that, because I think that that is that's the dream of every entrepreneur to know that what you are doing is is making a difference in someone's life. And you guys are making a difference in so many children's lives in our city. Um, I think so many people don't realize the the problem of, of finding books, especially children's books that are representative of our diverse city. And it's absolutely it's one of those issues that um, especially when we look at the school systems, how have you guys worked with the schools to make sure that those books are coming into the classrooms? So, yeah, we you know, it's like you said, before we could even talk about um, selling the books, we have to make people aware. So there's Mm -hmm. an education campaign that we're always going. And so we would go and, um, you know, I would go to like law schools would have um, teacher development um, days that they would do, and I would go and speak and bring that attention to it. I would go to like different universities, like SLU and WashU, and and speak to some of the even teachers that are not I'm not teachers, well, the students who are going to become teachers. Sure. Let them know, hey, you know, it, it, you need to really think about this. And um, and uh, so the education piece was was real important as well. And then also just letting them know that you know we we're not just saying. Hey, it's important. Go you're on your own, but hey, we're here to help. So it's not just that we just supply the books. We also supply the knowledge and expertise and understanding. You know, you know, if you're going to talk about civil rights, that's easy, right? You get books on Martin Luther King, get books on Rosa Parks, and that that's that's easy. But we're not talking about just civil rights. Mm-hmm. We're talking about validating a whole people through books. 
about, you know, so that's going to that's going to be all genres. It's going to be poetry. It's going to be science. It's going to be mathematics. It's going to be history, of course. And and so all aspects of that. And so no matter what the subject matter is, you know, there's a way to really include and have representation there. You know, a good example was the movie came out a few years ago, Hidden Figures. Mm -hmm. And who knew? Right. The first computers were African-American women. Right. Who knew? Right. That that having those books that reflect the true history of contributions of African-Americans in all areas can really inspire someone to really see, wow, you know, I maybe I could be that, you know, maybe I can go into mathematics or science or whatever. Without that, you know, sometimes you sometimes African-American children can maybe feel I'm only you know, uh, I'm only, um, you know, suitable for certain areas. And that's not true. Children can do anything they put their mind to. They have the potential to do that. And a part of having books so they can see that and really try to reach those their full potential. And then there's also, there's also another aspect to this, too, that we learned along the way. As mentioned, our focus really was our children and then grew to like African-American children because we wanted to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. But we also found value even for non-African-American children right. in helping to, 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 to alleviate stereotypes. So having the absence of color, children of color or people of color in the books that they read can give you know, non-African-Americans false conclusions about African-Americans. And so for a different reason, but it's just as valuable that all children can be exposed to diverse literature. Absolutely. And you mentioned your children that that was sort of the the original motivation. So you had that sort of perfect focus group with your kids. How did they <laughs> help um, you guys choose the books? What kind of input do do they have in, in helping make sure you guys are getting the cool books? <laughs> Absolutely. No, that, exactly, that, that's exactly what the role that they play. So they, you know, they, they were avid readers um, and we kind of fuel that. And, um, and, you know, they're all in college now. Oh, they are. They're my, oh, so they're yeah, grown. They're, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're, 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 and, and my um, oldest is in medical school now. And so that, you know, they're doing well. And so, but they still, you know, they still come and help out in the store. They still, you know, again, we're a children's bookstore, but we have the full gamut, right, from baby board books all the way to adult books. And so when it comes to the YA, when it comes to the high school, when it comes to the adult, we lean on them as, you know, young people to kind of give us, you know, what sort of what's the latest and greatest, especially in that space, you know. Uh, so they're, 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 they definitely have their hands in it. And, you know, <laughs> we, we have different services we provide as well. And one of them is um, we started uh, about a year and a half ago is a book subscription service where you sign up and you can have, you know, a box of books that would be delivered to your child, you know, every month. And a part of that is what research has shown the number one predictor of academic success, even beyond um, demographics or socioeconomic status, is number of books in the home. Right. And so we really advocate and push to increase the number of books in the home. And so... Uh, we do that. And so our, our children really help out with the subscription service, which has grown quite a bit, especially due to COVID. And that's a, a big challenge for so many folks in our community who may not have the resources to fill a home um, with books. You guys have a nonprofit um, portion of your store as well. I saw that Cardinals pitcher Jack Flaherty just made a giant purchase and, and donated to the Boys and Girls Club. How does that um, play into the store as well in, in terms of the nonprofit aspect? Absolutely. And definitely shout out to him for that. Thank you so much <laughs> for that uh, support. And uh, I love, you know, his idea, which was two prong. It was number one, 
making sure that he could, um, you know, give children books so that, you know, again, it's going to have a definitely impact on their lives. Um, but the second thing was to really utilize a black owned business. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a, a double whammy because that really helps support the whole ecosystem, um, you know, to the St. Louis area when you support local businesses. So, so shout out to him for that insight and hope that, you know, other businesses really think in that fashion as well. Um, so, and, but for the nonprofit, you know, what we found early on was, okay, you know, um, we, we see a problem, we see a problem affecting, you know, uh, primarily African-Americans and not have representation. We're trying to fill that gap when we would go out to different schools, if they were in affluent areas, um, yeah, they're definitely on board. They get the idea. We've educated them. They know it's important. And now they want to, you know, buy the books. That's fine. Mm-hmm. When we go to less affluent areas, we found like, okay, they understand this problem. Yes, they want to do it. But I remember one time being at a book fair, one of the schools in a low-income area, and one of the children said, "Oh, I like this book. Um, is it free?" And I was like, "No, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sorry, but you know, we it, it's, it's for sale. But you can ask your parents." And they said, "Well, what if my parents don't have any money?" And I'm like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. how you know." how do we fix this? How do we make sure that money is not a barrier um, when we were trying to fix this issue? And so we started the ICB Foundation where we raised funds to try to make sure that all children, regardless of socioeconomic status, can have the impact and benefits of having diverse literature. And so we've partnered with a lot of different organizations, like you said, with the Cardinals and then other organizations as well, and trying to really raise funds as well as distribute uh, books to, you know, to children that, that may be um, in in a challenging socioeconomic status. How can our listeners help if they are listening now and, and say, this is something I'd like to donate to, I'd like to get on board with? Is there a way that people can can donate, can purchase books for students around our, our city? Absolutely, yes. Just go to our website at icme.com, which is E-Y-E-S-E-E-M-E, icme. Um, dot com, and there's a tab there for the ICB Foundation, and they're able to uh, give donations. Um, they could even, um, you know, uh, purchase subscription box, boxes and donate those as well to individuals. Some people do that as well. Um, and, um, you know, spread the word, um, you know, talk to your schools, talk to your company. Some We have a lot of corporate um, uh, or corporations who also, you know, are looking to partner with um, Black-owned businesses and increasing literacy in the area. Um, shout out to Millipore Sigma, who did that last year, mm-hmm. where they have a program where they um, uh, they teach STEM and promote STEM. And they partner with us to provide books um, that promote African-Americans in STEM. Um, and so, again, I think those corporate partnerships are great because it really is, you know, gives a benefit to the, 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 the literature and to children, but also in promoting small business, you know, as well in the area, which is, you know, the grassroots of any community. So, um, so yeah, go on to our website and just reach out to us. Send us an email, call us, stop by the store. Stop by, I'm and, sure. Uh, as, yeah. <laughs> you you got, you mentioned small business. It is the heartbeat of our community, of, of all communities, really. Um, this weekend is Independent Bookstore Day. Um, we know it has not been easy to be an independent bookstore for many years now. But why do you think, in addition to the mission you have at your store, the value is so important to keep our independent bookstores alive? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because it's it's a part, it's a, a major part of our community, you know. Um, and as an independent bookstore, you know, there's just some things you can't outsource. Um, you know, there's a certain 
a theme that may be in a particular community. There is a, a place where you can come and really talk to someone who's in this area or even meet other people. You know, we, we a couple of years ago, we moved from a smaller space to a larger space just for the fact that we could help build community. Mm-hmm. And so we have spaces where we can have authors that can come and visit. I know, you know, because of COVID, we had to go virtual. Sure. But we can't wait for the day that we can sort of have that uh, space open again so that we could come and meet and talk and engage and ask questions. And it's really, that's that's a place that really where communities, crossroads can come and um, and get to talk about, you know, and learn and experience each other. And that's um, not, yeah, that's something that with Amazon, just, right? You can't get that from Amazon. If you're... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But you can't get that here. And I think, you know, I think that's, that's part of the, you know, why I think there's been this, a resurgence of, uh, of bookstores. Um, and, um, and I think it's good. I think it's important. And it's something that I think hopefully, you know, we continue to value and continue to support because I think it has a really, really lasting benefit. What is the joy you get when you watch a child in your store pick up that book and they see someone that looks like them on the cover. Oh man, absolutely. That's, and that's something that we see, you know, um, where, you know, children come in and, and at the first glance sometimes, um, Oh, you know, bookstore, they're like, Oh, maybe not so excited. But one day look and see all the covers reflect them. You, you can like, you can almost watch the wheels turning in their, in their head. I remember one of the first events we went to, we first opened, we went to like, out, we go out to like different events when they have different, um, uh, I think it was the Kids Expo. Mm-hmm. And we had a booth and we were there. And I remember we set up, we had the books and posters. I remember a child walking by and he he's walking with his family, but his face is just mesmerized because he's never seen, you know, all these books that look like him all in one place. And it really had a, a really profound feeling. So it just, you know, it validates what we're doing and it shows how important what we're doing that, you know, it's it's not just a novelty. It's not just, you know, cute. It's it's really serving a valuable purpose when someone can see themselves, you know, in a in a different light. And um, I think help, books help us do that. You know, there's one uh, researcher, one, one um, uh, doctor education who speaks about, you know, books are, are mirrors and windows. You know, mirrors that allow you to see yourself reflected, but also windows that let you look through and see a a, a larger world than yourself. Mm. And, um, you know, without having that representation, then, you know, you're limiting yourself, you know what I'm saying, without that. And so to be able to help open that up for someone is just, I mean, words can express. It just really validates what we're doing. And we're so proud to be given this task and, uh, and, uh, and, and helping us, you know, be successful so far. We're just really thankful for that. You mentioned that you have everything from baby books up to young adult books. Talk to me about why even from a baby perspective, I'm about to have a baby myself here in two months, and I know we are filling our bookshelf already with with books. And talk about why even from the very beginning to have a book that not only, A, reflects you, but then also reflects your community um, so that you're reading books that look like the world around you. It starts right at the beginning. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, seeing again, let's say you know, and and by the way, you know, we're African American children's bookstore, but you know, again, along the way, part of our education was you know there are other groups also that are marginalized in mainstream literature, and it could be Latin American, 
It could be Native American. It could be, you know, Middle Eastern or, you know, Asian. And so we we also have a, a large selection of, of uh, multicultural books as well, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to really fill that gap. Um, and so I think it's important for children to see themselves, number one, after, from a very young age, because from a very young age, research tells us, you know, they start to learn differences. And so it's important that, that, that you know, them seeing themselves is just normalized. Um, you know, I've heard stories before of individuals who sometimes that, that they tell it that, you know, they're just so um, immersed in seeing other people that, you know, when they walk by the mirror, like, oh, oh, wow, that's me, you know, because their, right. their internal vision of themselves is reflected what they see, you know. Um, and so it's important that that's that's correct. And the second thing is um, even for people, it's important for us to also see difference as well. So see ourselves also see difference because, like you said, that reflects the reality of our world. Mm-hmm. And so many times parents will come in and say, hey, I want to talk to my children about race, you know, or about, you know, things that happened in the past and slaves, but it's a hard conversation. Right. And, you know, my advice usually is, well, if you start there, it's a hard, I mean, it's a hard conversation, period. Yes, absolutely. But it's harder if that's the only time you ever talk about other people mm-hmm. is when it's an issue. The, the idea is normalize diversity normalize diversity you know let, let it be something that's a common thing it's not it's not a big deal right it's it's something not just black history month but your your library your bookshelves is just reflects a diversity of people so your children can really not otherize anybody else mm-hmm. and then along the way to talk about some of the issues yeah that has its context but it's an easier conversation then if you have no diversity in your library, no discussion about other people, and then the only time it comes up is when it's an issue, that also can give the wrong message. So, you know, I think it's important to start early. Absolutely. Have you, and, you know, I'm curious, have you been reaching, obviously the last year with COVID has has made things difficult to talk in person, but have you heard from more members of our community who are looking to to improve their family's understanding of race, of social justice, um, after the last year and several years um, that we've seen not only in our community, but nationwide? Yeah, no, we have definitely have seen that. Yes, absolutely, yes. And, and especially, you know, we just recently got the verdict um, mm-hmm. for the, the, the death and the murder of George Floyd um, last year. And um, so last year when that happened, um, we saw a surge in interest. Uh, there was there was interest before, but it was, you know, it really like exponentially increased last summer, you know, the, the protests and everything that took place. Um, and uh, we saw our book sales, which was fabulous because that's what we were talking about all along. This is important. This is an important topic right? we should be talking about. And again, the issue about the the issues, the 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 you know the oppression, slavery, uh, Jim Crow, all of those things, and understanding you know criminal justice. Again, we have adult books too, and so it's, we have we have we have all of that. But again, I think it I think you know really getting the value is really not just focusing just on the issue, but expanding it more to understand we're a global community, and it's it's there's so much beauty in the diversity beyond the issues of just understanding other people and being exposed to other things, other cultures and other, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think we're limiting ourselves and our children. We don't expose them to the full beauty and we can't travel around the world, let's say like we would like, but <laughs> we can visit through a book. We can get to know other people and each other through a book. And it's a beautiful time for parents and children to kind of really even spend that type of quality time together talking about, you know, various things. And, um, and, 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 you know, of course, we address issues when they come up. But I think if that's just a normal state, 
I think there's so much value in that, you know, um, as, as a family and ultimately as a community. This past weekend, we celebrated Independent Bookstore Day. Independent bookstores, our locally run shops, are such a vital part to the St. Louis community. And we have so many great ones from Subterranean Books in the Loop to Novel Neighbor in Webster Groves to Main Street Books in St. Charles. And of course, the oldest indie bookstore in St. Louis, Left Bank Books in the Central West End. We had them on the podcast a while back. And if you've never listened to that episode, it's a great one as we really talk about the ups and downs of the independent bookstore business. That was episode 60. As always, we love to hear who you want to meet next on our podcast. You can let us know on Instagram or on Facebook. You can find us at the Meet St. Louis Podcast. This episode was produced and edited by JJ Bailey.